All right. Well, hey, guys, I'm Luther, and I am one of the pastors here at One Church. And uh, we are in week three of the resolution series. And, and I'm going to go off script here for just a second because, you know, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but but Justin did almost a perfect job preaching our sermon this morning just with the songs that he, that he, that he picked this morning. Um, we literally could just go back and repeat those lyrics and, and call that our sermon today. And, and I don't know if you know, a lot of times in church we just say things because everybody else is saying it. Um, and, and, and in a lot of the songs we sing, we sing hallelujah. And, and I would venture to say that there's some of you in the room this morning that have no idea what that means. Sounds a little weird and freaky, but everybody else is singing it. And well, I can read, so I'll sing it too. But it literally goes back. It means halal Yahweh. It is to boast in the unspeakable name of God. And so it is to find your identity, to find everything you want. Everything that you can boast about exists because of God this morning. And so just, I didn't want to miss that this morning, that as we just sang that amazing song, thank you, Jesus. And we celebrated and we said, we boast in you. Uh, I didn't want to miss that. So that's a bonus. Wasn't even in my notes. So, but we are going to jump into this this morning. So I do want to welcome all of you if you're here this morning and it's your first time. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, if you're here in the room this morning and you're one of our volunteers, you're one of our very important people. You make this all happen. So big shout out to you. Holler, holler to the video venue across the hall and to everybody joining us all over the world online. We are so glad you're with us this morning. So this is January and this is the season for self-improvement. And, and so it's all about how to make me better, right? We're, we're all me monsters in January. How do I get slimmer? How do I get stronger? How do I get smarter? How do I get out of debt? How do I get a better job? It's all about me. Me, 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 me. We're like a bunch of three-year-olds. We're all me monsters. So, but perhaps you're ready to ask a bigger, better, broader question. And, and what needs to be done around me? So that's a completely different way to look at the world. Because for most of us, January is all about us, but it can be all about the gifts I have, what I have, what can I do to change the world? If you want to become a better person, do something to make the world a better place. And over the past two weeks, we've been talking about this, and, and we've challenged you that our resolution for 2017 should be about improving the world for others in the name of Jesus. Because if you improve the world and we don't do it in Jesus' name, it doesn't really matter. So in week one, Chris asked us, what breaks your heart? And that's kind of the thing that's going to take us through the entire series is, is what breaks your heart? And I even like to say that what breaks God's heart? Because for some of us, what breaks our heart may not be holy, may not have any, it may not be anything that would glorify God. What breaks my heart might be a new boat and there's nothing wrong with a new boat, but what great breaks God's heart are things like the unloved, the poor, the lonely. Um, people who are around you every day who are broken and damaged and need to feel his love. And so what breaks your heart? It's a question that will change the direction of our life and changing and fixing and addressing and solving. Maybe it's a team or an organization. Maybe you need to partner with something bigger than yourself. And, and last week, Carlo helped us discover the answer to that question will require something of us. It will require time, money, opportunity, it, it, it'll, it'll maybe take some time away from your family. It, it will cost you some of your life. And, and let's just be honest, we're people. And by nature, we're life preservers, right? It's all about us. Carlo's big idea last week was devote yourself for more than yourself so you will have more than yourself to show for yourself, right? That's a mouthful, right? 
But but like if you really read that and dig through that and start breaking that apart, like there's so much there. At the end of the day, you want something bigger than yourself. See, most of what we've said so far in this series applies to everybody. People who move outside their comfort zones for the sake of others always make the world a better place, regardless of what they believe or why they did it. And those who don't, they don't, regardless of what they believe. See, today I want to talk specifically to those of us in the room who call ourselves Christ followers. You're in love with Jesus. You've committed your life to him. We're going to talk about what that's going to cost us. Paying attention to what breaks our hearts, what breaks God's heart is of particular importance because God asked, we've asked God to rule and reign in our heart and, and for him to be big and for him to be big, we have to do the things that he wants us to do. I love this line. Believers are often content to believe something rather than do something. I mean, let's think about that for a second. So many of us, we're great to share something on Facebook about an injustice in the world. We're, we're super happy to post that meme on Instagram. But that's not doing anything. That's just talking about it. As believe, and, 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 and let's be honest, as some of us as Christians, we're, even, we're really willing to point out people's faults and their sins. But what are we doing about it? How, do, how are we stepping into people's lives to make a difference? And so that's where we're going this morning. And so today we're going to go to a, a really familiar chapter in the Bible uh, written by a guy whose heart was broken. Catch that theme there. Heart was broken over the prospect that non-Jewish people would never get to know the good news of Jesus, would never get to have a relationship with God through Jesus and have an opportunity to go to heaven. And, and that guy's name was Paul. And, and Paul wrote several letters to some Christians living in a town called Corinth. Uh, and in the first letter we know about, 1 Corinthians, or if you're a Trump fan, 1 Corinthians. Sorry, it was just too easy. It's in my notes that way. Um, he had just finished talking about giftedness the special abilities that God gives us when we become a Christ follower. And we, we, sadly, as Christians, we tend to make those all about us. Well, I have the gift of this, or I have the gift of that. We say, I'm a good blank. Well, you're a good blank. And it can lead to self-centered Christianity, self-centered spirituality. On a positive note, unlike the Corinthians, at least in our culture, we haven't become self-centered and narcissistic at all. I mean, we just post selfies every three minutes. So... Um, so we're going to jump into first Corinthians today and we're going to kind of work through the first three verses and we're going to kind of stagger our way down through them. But in first Corinthians 13, starting in verse one, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. So this was a reference to a couple of different ways you can look at this, the supernatural ability to speak a foreign language that you had never learned or to be able to speak the spiritual language that no one can understand. And, and, and he, he was taking a shot at those who, who made big their gift. That, that Their gift no longer was about pointing people to God, but it was about, look at the gift that I have. See, God told me, God showed me, God whispered to me, God revealed to me. All of those have me. It's me, 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 me. It's that three-year-old me monster that you're using your gift about. I am so godly. And, and this verse doesn't say that the gift of tongues is obnoxious. It says that when you make it about you, that it's just an obnoxious noise. 
In verse 2, as we continue, it says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. See, I got it all figured out. I have all the answers. See, maturity is, is not always equated with knowledge. You can know everything and still not be doing the right things. See, I grew up in, in, in the church world where it was all about what we knew. It was, we were always learning, always taking notes. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, conferences, Bible studies. And, and there's nothing wrong with any of those. In fact, it's great. We should want to get God's word into us just as much as possible. So learning in itself isn't bad. But, but, but the word we use for that here at, at one church is spiritual constipation. It's, it's when you fill yourself up with all the knowledge, but it doesn't affect, it never comes out. It just stays in you. It just becomes your, it never becomes hands and feet. And so, so don't be spiritually constipated. When you put all that stuff in, let it flow out through you. Let, let love become what you're known for. Because if you're reading scripture, that's what you're putting in. Continued in verse two, and it says, and if I have, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, stop right there. Like, we're talking about, like, spiritual superheroes, right? Like, this is a Marvel's movie, right? Like, mountain, move. Like, I want some of that. Like, even Billy Graham, I don't think, has ever moved a mountain, right? But, like, like this is something we should all aspire to, right? So maybe this verse is getting better. I'm starting to like the this, this, this second verse a whole lot more. But do not have love. Okay, yeah, love is cool. We can love too, but, but I mean, seriously, spiritual superhero, I'm moving a mountain, Continued in verse 2, I am nothing. What you talking about, Willis? Hold on a minute here. We just went from spiritual superhero, like mountain, move, and now I'm nothing? You're saying I have no value? I have no purpose just because, like, I can't add love on top of, like, Marvel's Christian superhero? In verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor. See, this isn't even referring to generosity. This is referring to the public look-at-me behavior. See, the, the, the Pharisees that, that, were, that were present in this time were, were all about bringing their gifts in. And they'd bring it all in, like, change. So when they dropped it, like, it made a lot of noise. Like, ching, 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 ching. Uh, I like to call that making it hail. And you throw quarters. Um, and so... But, but they were all about people knowing what they gave. And, and, and this, is not, this isn't bad about giving. God is all about us being generous and giving. And we're going to talk more about that. But, but if you give with a look-at-me behavior, God is not pleased with your gift. Continued in verse 3. And give over my body to hardship that I may boast. This is actually talking about like going to the crazy extreme. Even if I sold myself into slavery and gave the money to the poor. But if I did it for me, it's still worth nothing. If it's still me focused, if it's still on me, it doesn't mean a thing. God's not in it. And then as we finish verse three, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Being a better and even more generous me for me doesn't get me anywhere. Being a better and more generous you for you doesn't get you anywhere. See, if I have perfect Christian moral behavior, if I look perfect on the outside, I have a perfect family, I have perfect church attendance, but I never step into other people's messes, 
not only do I gain nothing, but Paul is actually saying here that I am good for nothing. Like, that's crazy. He just compared, like, spiritual superhero and then took you right back to the point of, I am worth nothing. I have no purpose for God. If I cannot take the things I've been given, if I cannot use all this, I'm useless. Let, let's read a, ver, a version of this that makes more sense for us because in our world, probably none of us are going to sell ourselves into slavery. And some of those things just, they don't sound right. So this is kind of a modern version of 1 Corinthians 13. If I raise perfect children, maintain the perfect schedule and maintain my ideal weight, but do not have love, I am nothing more than a leaf blower at 6.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Someone needs to rebuke that mess. If I drive an electric car, wear Toms and decline any coffee that isn't fair trade, but do not have love, I am nothing more than an obnoxious ringtone in a crowded movie theater. Y'all best have your phones on silent. If I take my family to the Holy Land and leave New Testaments in every hotel room along the way, but do not have love, I am nothing more than a middle school girl's playlist. We all know that's some just nasty stuff. Paul's point? Devotion to God doesn't stop at moral, behavioral perfection. If you make a better you, but it goes no further than you, you're nothing more than an annoying version of you. I've got six kids, and we work with them all the time on, you don't want to be the annoying kid. You don't want to be the stinky kid. No one wants to be the stinky kid. And so, like, none of us want to think of ourselves as the annoying version of ourselves. But, 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 but if everything you've learned from God's word and about God's character hasn't caused you to love anyone, but it's just made you self-righteous, it's made you look at other people and think, well, why can't they do this as, as well as me? Why can't, they, why can't they go to church like me? Why can't they give like me? But if it's just about you, you're just annoying. See, we can't substitute devotion for motion. Instead, we have to put motion in our devotion. God always requires a step of us. See, devotion to God is authenticated by love for others. And love here is a verb. It's an action word. Love equals motion. I, I love the, the shirts that we're wearing today for compassion, and we'll go over this a little more later, but they actually say act. The book of Acts, how we step out. We have to act on what God's given us. We have to act in love. Love requires something of us. When our, when our faith goes no further than private, internal devotion, our message to the world is, we know it all, and we're better than y'all. I mean, let's face it. Nobody resists the local church because we love too much. People don't come to church because, well, we're, we're always too right. We're too mystical. We're a little weird and freaky. We're too judgmental. We're too self-absorbed. We're too exclusive. We're too closed. We're too inward. We're too churchy. No one ever resists us because we love too well, because we feed the poor too much, because we open our doors to, to people when they're cold, because we meet people where they are, and, and that person who's never loved by anybody else, regardless of what they look like or smell like or how they're dressed or how many piercings or how many tattoos, we wrap our arms around them and explain to them that not only does God love you, but I love you like you are right now. I, I don't love you for what you're going to become. I don't, I don't love you when you behave like me. I don't love you when you belong to our club. I love you right now, right where you are. That's when people will embrace the church. When the church lives like that, we won't be able to keep people out of here. And so that's our goal. 
personal perfection were the goal, Jesus would have just stayed in heaven, right? Jesus came and lived a perfect life, but we don't... His perfection isn't what, what changed our life. I mean, it is, but... It was the fact that he put motion to devotion and came to earth to carry the burden of our sin. It was the fact that, that, that his life, his sinless life, he acted through sacrificial intervention and changed all of our lives. Our big idea today, and I've said it a couple times, but is to put motion in your devotion. And I thought that was super cheesy, but it's okay. Sometimes it's okay to be cheesy and not be cool because I hope you remember this Tuesday. I, I hope that, that if you do what Carlo asked you to do last week and and, and you're in God's word every day. And, and you're worshiping God. And you're not just worshiping God in what we sing. We're worshiping God in, in how we treat our families. And we're worshiping God in, in how, how we act at work. Are, are you the best employee at where you work? That's worship. Because God says that, that we should do all work as if we're working for him. And so, so we have to put motion in our devotion. And so I hope that this week is, as you're taking those steps to read God's word and to, and to spend time worshiping God in all of your life, that you remember that this requires motion. This requires me to do something. But if I do not have love, I gain nothing. And love always turns to action. So, so what, is, what, is, what does it look like today? What step are we asking you to take? What does love ask of your hands and feet today? What's it require of you? We talked about that. Carlos says it always requires something. So today, I just want to be honest. Love's going to require a lot of you if you're a Christ follower. And, and the step that we're going to present to you today is not the step. It is a step. But for many of us, we've never taken a step. And so today, we're going to give you an easy, obvious, you can't miss it kind of step. Because you can't get out of here without passing the opportunity today. We've literally set it up so that you have to go past this opportunity to, to see if love can become hands and feet and can become sacrificial. And so today is Compassion Sunday. And, and as you leave today, you're going to have an opportunity to go by tables with 150 children that need to be sponsored. And, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more in a minute. But uh, I'm going to, yeah, hopefully they've got some pictures that are going to scroll. Patrick and I um, had the opportunity a little over a year ago to, to travel with Compassion to the Dominican Republic just to kind of see what they do and, and if everything we thought about compassion was real. And, and, and I got to tell you, I, you know, a lot of you know I run a nonprofit in Ethiopia, and so I, I'm a little picky on this, on, on this subject. Like, um, these, like I, I know what to look for, and I will tell you that not only did we see that compassion does things the right way, we were so moved that we came back and, and began the process of really wanting to have this weekend happen. Uh, we're not a big enough church to have those trailers parked out in front of this building. That's a God thing. I'm just going to be honest. That, that's a church of a 1,000 or 1,500 people or more to get those trailers parked out front. But but we've been praying about it, and, and we met with Scott, who I'm going to show you a picture of in a minute. But um, God did a big thing and brought that here, and, and, and we've been moving towards that for the last year because we knew that as a church, compassion was something we could attach to and we could believe in and, and we could let you affect the world with. Um, I think I've got a picture coming here somewhere at the end. My, my good friend Scott Limerick is here today, and, and Scott is the, the, he handles all the churches kind of in a, in a couple states here in the southeast for compassion, and he's the one who took Patrick and I on our trip, and um, just an amazing godly man. You'll have an opportunity to meet him today out after, as we, as we exit, um, but, but a little bit about compassion, and, and, and this will ring really 
for some of you military guys, like I, I bet a lot of you didn't know this. Compassion was founded by a guy named Everett Swanson. Um, he was a preacher who traveled to South Korea to minister to U.S. troops. Kind, kind of a, a, a chaplain without being a chaplain. And, and, and before he came home from South Korea, he was so moved by the tragedy that war, um, the ravages of war, what it had done to children in that country. It had left street children and orphans, and it had created poverty in a huge way. And, and, and he went home, and, and he could not be the same. He went home and created the Everett Swanson Evangelical Association. I'm sorry, Evangel- Evangelistic Association in 1952 and, and started doing some child sponsorships. And, and that, le- that later became known as Compassion International in 1963. And, and, and that was born out of a verse in Matthew, uh, Matthew 15, 32. It's not going to be on the screen. And it said, Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus said, I have compassion on the multitude. I will not send them away hungry. See, Everett Swanson answered that question that Chris asked us two weeks ago. What breaks your heart? What has God put in front of you that you know he wants you to act on? What things have you seen that you know breaks God's heart? And so you know it should break your heart. And the answer to that question, when he answered it, it literally has changed the world. It's changed the world so much that South Korea is no longer a country where you can sponsor children. It's now a country where people are sponsoring children. Heads of government, super important people are former compassion children. It literally has changed South Korea. And a lot of you guys have been stationed there and and, and you know um, kind of what that looks like. Reasons that we believe in compassion. I, I just think I, you need to know why we think this is something that we're telling you to put your money towards. They empower the local church. And, and when I say that, you think, okay, cool, what's that mean? So when we traveled to the Dominican Republic, some of those pictures you saw were in churches where, where Patrick and I were loving on kids and hanging out. They do everything through a local church. So if you show up in Santa Domingo in the Dominican Republic and you visit a compassion site, nowhere will you see the word compassion. Nowhere are you going to see an American. You're going to see people from a local church loving people in their community. And as far as the community knows, they, they, they've been helped by someone on the outside, but it's this church who is loving their community. We walked through the streets in Santo Domingo with one of these pastors, and I, it was like walking with a rock star. It was insane. This community loved this man because this man loved his community. Kind of what we talked about earlier, if we would love too much that people would be attracted to the church, well, compassion empowers local churches in third world countries to be made big, The church is big because they love big, and then people see Jesus there. And so they empower the local church. They do it in the name of Jesus. And this is super important because it doesn't matter if you raise a child out of poverty, if you give him a better education, if you give him clean water, if you give her the proper nutrition, it just doesn't matter if they're still doomed to hell. If they're separated from their God, if we do all these things and we don't do it in the name of Jesus, why do it? You know, their, their, their logo and their motto is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. They won't go into a country if the country won't allow them to do everything in Jesus' name. They are unapologetic about it. And then most importantly, it works. And it doesn't work because I've been to the compassion experience and heard those stories. It doesn't work because I watched their commercial or read something. It works because I have friends who were former compassion children. 
I've got a dear friend whose whose picture is going to come up here uh, with a couple. We we took a trip to Ethiopia a couple years ago, and uh, you'll see a couple one church folks on there: Jamie and Christy and myself with with my dear friend Abraham. And, and, and if you've been through the compassion experiences and heard those stories, those are great. But Abraham's story is far worse, and it's his story, so I'm not telling it. It's his to tell. But what I can tell you is that Abraham grew up and became a compassion child. And Abraham told me one of the first times we met, and I got to hear his story, that the, that the very first time in his life that he was ever told and ever that he ever felt loved was because of compassion. It was in a church that was a compassion site, the very first time that someone loved him just because. And, and it was those letters that he received from his compassion sponsor. He could not believe that someone all the way around the world loved him enough not only to send money but to write letters and tell him they were praying for him it changed his life he went to school got a degree taught school he now actually works for compassion in ethiopia and if you sponsor an ethiopian child and you send a letter he's over the department where all those letters are going to be translated so the kids can read them see i know that compassion works not because i've read about it because i've sat and i and i've 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 literally had my arm around Abraham as he shared the story of his life and he wept and we talked and and it was the first time that he got to know that God loved him because somebody loved him. He realized that he had value and he was worth something. See, we've made your step today, putting motion into devotion, easy and obvious. As you leave the service today, we're going to continue worshiping as we leave. We, We talked about that worship is much more than what happens in here. But as you go down the hallway and back into the lobby, we've got six tables spread out with compassion cards on them. 150 children who are, who are bound in poverty right now. And, 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 and you have the opportunity in love with an act, with some motion, to release those children from poverty. Are they still going to live in a third world country? Absolutely. With your $38 sponsorship, is their life going to look anything like your American child's life? Not even close. Not in the ballpark. But your $38 sponsorship will allow a church to give them nutrition and clean water, make sure they're in school, just make sure they live and they have what they need to step out of poverty, that this generation can be better, and they can do it all in the name of Jesus. $38, you'll write letters to your sponsor child. That's as important as the money. You'll get five letters back a year. And I just want you to let you know if you're part of our online campus today, you can go to Compassion.com and sponsor through there. It doesn't have to happen here today. But we as a church, we're all going to join together today, and we are going to rescue children, not because of anything we do, but we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. See, we're praying today that God will stir your heart for a child as you look through those lists. We have children from Ethiopia, Peru, and Colombia. Ethiopia is a natural connection. I'll, I'll be actually, my wife is leading a team there uh, the end of June and for the first week of July, and that's some news we'll have coming. Uh, you could actually go to Ethiopia with her on a trip and actually meet your compassion child if, if they're in that part of the country. Uh, Peru, uh, Chris is going to be leading a trip there with compassion in about a year and a half, I think, is the date on that. Um, so that was a natural connection. And then Carlo, I don't know if any of you know this, but he teaches in a seminary. And uh, they uh, do pastoral training and seminary training in Colombia. So he'll be spending some time down there. So those were just natural connections for us for those, for those areas. You know, last week, Carlos said 
that, that, that it will, when God breaks your heart, when your heart breaks for something that honors God, that it's going to require something of you. And we're asking you today to sacrifice financially above your tithe. We're asking you to step out. We're asking you to love a child that you may never meet, that you may never know other than what you do with that, with that, the, the letters that you write back and forth. And I want to be honest. Sponsoring a child today will not make you a Christ follower. There's only one thing that makes you a Christ follower, and that's putting your faith in Jesus Christ, believing that, that he was God's son, that he lived perfect, that he died, that he took on your sins, that he raised from the grave, and that he did all that for you so that you could have a relationship with God. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. But once you do that, that devotion to Christ does require some motion. It does require action from us. If you're here today and you've never done that and you think, all oh, this sounds weird, I would love an opportunity to meet with you just outside the doors here at the Next Steps table to talk about what it looks like to be a Christ follower today. And, I, and, I, and I've mentioned this already. This is not a final step. I'm just going to be honest. This may be the first step for many of you. The first time that, that having a relationship with God costs you something. The first time that love has urged you to do something outside of being me-focused. But I promise you, it will not be your final step. It will not be your last step. That when, that when we commit our lives to God and we begin to step in the direction of Him, He, he continues to put those steps in front of us. So I want to challenge you to start stepping in God's direction today. We are, we are going to wrap up by, by... I'm going to pray in just a minute. We're going to have a short, I mean, a short compassion video that plays just to kind of show you some of what they do. And then the band is going to come out and sing one of my favorite songs. It's, it's who you are. It literally could be our sermon this morning. And, and I want you to actually sing the words. I want you to actually read them. I want you to realize there's impact in these words. I don't want you just to sing the melody, stay on key. I mean, it's good if you do all that. I want you to stay on key. Um, but if you can't, I want you to sing anyway. But I want you to mean the words you're saying. I want you to realize the character of God. And that when we take on God's character, something in us changes. And it requires something of us. So, so I'm going to pray in a second. The band's going to play. And then I want you to worship in those words. And then I want you, as we, as we leave and we head down the hall and we get into the lobby, I want you to realize that our time spent looking at, at these cards... This is a child that, that my family and I are sponsoring. That, that we, we went through all the, the cards last night. And, and this is the little boy that we've decided we're going to sponsor. We're going to walk him through all the way through high school. We're going to, my children are going to grow up with him. And, and we're going to write him letters. And his name is Thomas Ginn. And, and he's in Ethiopia. And um, we are super excited about this. I'm not asking you to do anything that we're not doing. And, and so you'll have an opportunity to do that same thing. So I want you to worship as you leave today. Worship in how you go over those cards and, and give God an opportunity to break your heart for that. Let's pray. God, I believe today that you are big, that you are real, and that, God, you step into our lives right where we are. That, God, you do big and amazing things with us and through us. Because, God, when we are faithful to you, when, when we are devoted to you, that, God, you require motion from us. And so, God, I thank you that you give us an opportunity to be your hands and feet. God, I pray over the children that, that we're about to walk out and, and, and look at, that, that every one of these children is, is a real person who has real need, and that, God, for, for a sacrifice, sacrificial gift, the, the cost I spend of buying a Diet Coke every day on the way to work for $1.10, that for that cost that I can change that child's life in the name of Jesus. 
And so, God, I just ask that you would break our hearts this morning. And that, God, that you would bless our gifts. That, God, that um, this would not be the first step for us. But this would be the first step of many steps as you tell us to love the world in a big way. Amen. Poverty says to a child, you are worthless. Today on Compassion Sunday, a child is waiting for you. Become a child sponsor today and release another child from poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.